At the beginning of his classes at Roanoke College, Lutheran theologian and professor Paul Henlicke presents the students with an exercise. How would you respond to or refute the views of a fully convinced Nazi face-to-face? To which one student responded, Well, it's not for me, but if it works for you, who am I to judge? Summed up in that sentence is the middle-class white American religion of just be nice. Just be nice. You hear it sometimes from the spiritual, not religious folks, with statements like, I know that as long as I'm a good person, God will take care of the rest. You expect to hear such statements there. But what is shocking is hearing that kind of a statement from committed Christians. Niceness here is defined here as being non-confrontational and as non-confrontational and unnoticeable as possible is ingrained in a lot of us from a young age. Think of all the idioms. Don't rock the boat. Don't upset the apple cart. Don't make waves. If it isn't broke, don't fix it. Now, niceness, so defined, has nothing to do with kindness. Niceness is the bland, milquetoast substitute for the Christian faith that we are all too often brainwashed with. Niceness easily leads to passivity in the face of evil. Kindness, on the other hand, is a virtue. It's a Christ trait that is formed in us through living the Christian life. Kindness is genuine concern for others. It is empathic. It doesn't fall into either passivity on the one hand or arrogance on the other. To be a kind Christian is to stand on the rock of Christ together with his church in relationships of mutual love and upbuilding, able to stand up for what is in accord with Christ while realizing at the same time that one still has much to learn about what that means. Kindness was and is a cornerstone of the apostolic faith. Just because Paul argued in the synagogues does not mean that he wasn't kind. Paul was fully convinced it was out of kindness that he did that. Paul was fully convinced that his fellow Jews needed to know that the Messiah had come in Jesus so that they could be saved. 2,000 years of anti-Semitism in the church has now taught us that kindness toward our older siblings in faith requires different behavior on our part. Nevertheless, the faith of Peter, Paul, and Silas was not pushy, nor was it rude. And it sure wasn't nice, a bland kind of nice. Their faith was purified in the crucible of hardship and conflict and cast in the shape of Christ's kindness. You only need to turn to Acts 6 to see that kindness in action as the apostles consecrate the first deacons to care for the most vulnerable among them. What happens here in Acts 17 also also shows us a kind yet assertive faith in action. This story illustrates what happens every time the saving word of the gospel is preached. Some receive it, and by God's grace repent of their old way of life and receive a new life in Christ. 
Some reject it or are indifferent to it. They're content to go their own way. And a few, sometimes, are deeply offended by it. Those few in Acts 17 are so offended that they form a mob complaining to the authorities. These people who have been turning the world upside down are all acting contrary to the decrees of the emperor, saying that there is another king named Jesus. While Paul and Silas are not preaching political revolution, after all, Paul is a Roman citizen with certain privileges, they are proclaiming a different sovereignty, a different ultimate claim on creation. They're saying that Jesus, ultimately, is Lord, and that the emperor, therefore, is not. A statement like that, Jesus is Lord and the emperor is not, has political implications, whether we like it or not. Even though we Christians are rightly called to pray for the leaders of the state and obey them insofar as we can do so without sin, we have a different allegiance, ultimately. And throughout history, that allegiance, that ultimate allegiance to Christ, has proved very threatening to some. Jesus is Lord above every political, human, earthly authority. What that means is that Jesus gives us a way to live, mindful of where our ultimate citizenship lies. In Philippians 3.20, Paul writes, Our citizenship is in heaven, and it is from there we are expecting a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this Savior did everything wrong from a political point of view, from a human point of view. He had no army, no land, no fortress, no siege engines, nothing. From a political point of view, all he managed to do was get arrested and killed. But what he was and what he is is the word of God that overcomes all sin and all death through his own death. He defeats everything that keeps us from a joyful reunion with God and he gives us a place in God's kingdom. This Jesus, who to human eyes seems to be a Galilean nobody, wandering around with twelve losers who gets himself on the wrong side of the authorities and gets killed, turns out to be the Messiah of God, the King of creation, the author of life. And those twelve losers, they turn into a movement of men and women who turn the world upside down. With that saving word. Here's the thing. Jesus wasn't nice. Jesus was kind. Jesus wasn't weak or simpering. Jesus was bold. Jesus stood up against the injustices of the religious leaders who tied up heavy burdens on others without lifting a finger to help them. Jesus confronted those who exploited the most vulnerable in the temple with unfair exchange rates and ridiculous prices. I am reading a little bit into that scripture, but who, what would you do? Well, what would most people do? 
rather. What would most people do when, confront, when, when presented with a captive market like that? Jesus didn't ex- hesitate to express anger with his disciples when they were collectively as sharp as a bag of hammers. He didn't hesitate to call evil, evil. He stood up against the religious and political establishment that had utterly forgotten their God-given duty to care for the people God made in his image. And ultimately, he stood up against the powers of evil that hold all that held all of humanity captive to free us to be God's own. And as people of God, freed from sin and death, we are also freed from our brainwashed need to be nice, to be non-confrontational, to be passive, to not make waves. We are instead freed to be kind. We are freed to stand up for the kingdom values that Jesus proclaimed. Treating the most vulnerable, our poor neighbor, our gay neighbor, our trans neighbor, our black or brown neighbor, our immigrant neighbor, our unemployed neighbor, our elderly neighbor, our addicted neighbor, as people made in the image of God as we are. We are freed to live with the fruits of the Spirit, as Paul describes in Galatians chapter 5. We are freed to have new lives in Christ. We are given new lives in Christ, living life as truly kind people, as people whom the world will know by our love, as Jesus says in the Gospel of John, as people who in Christ turn the world upside down. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, imbue us with a renewed faith, sturdy to weather the trials of Christian life. Save us from an insipid niceness. Fill us with your kindness, which makes us more and more in your image. Amen.